Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello, I'm Glenn Fitzgerald, president of Mission USA. Good confirmation. Right. Also joining us, a man who, it's hard to say what weird and new voices he will discover this episode, <laughs> like the last one. <laughs> Director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I'm just glad to be here. Just glad and normal and being himself. Yeah, I'm you know just a straight lay, straight shooter. That's what I do. Right. <laughs> I'm sure that will keep up. Joining us all the way from Rochester, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm still mighty disturbed about how uh, nice and spacious the new podcast headquarters are. It's amazing. On, on your end, it looks gleaming white, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's gleaming white. It's a like the sound coming in is it's a little boomy. It's like sure you guys yeah. are in this you know like a this cavernous amazing space. Yeah, we we have a new underground bunker, and it's it looks like it's sort of that you know like the opening scene of the first Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, movie, <laughs> where it's everything's kind of white, uh, white spaceship. It's exactly like that. In the spirit of underground bunkers, I'm not making this up. I get in my Twitter feed earlier today one of these sponsored ads, and I really want to know what I've done that they think I'm interested in this. It's like a 25-pound can of cooked shredded beef that will be good for 20 years that's for doomsday preppers. Oh, wow. Okay. That, okay. It's, that's what this is. Okay. It's, and it's you know, like somethingsomethingpreppers.com. Right. I, to Twitter, I may record in an underground bunker, sure. but it's, right. it's not like that, y'all. It's, it's different. Yeah, no. So can is it a deal where... Like if if Matt traps us in the podcast uh, in the podcast headquarters and makes us record episode after episode and doesn't release us, then then we can use the twenty five pound can of of uh, forever beef. Yes, that's exactly right. We we would have it there. If I know anything about the eating habits of this crew, that would turn into a four day supply of beef. <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely true. Also. Um, you know, uh, it would be pretty tough, you know, to because then we'd have to rule the earth. Sure, absolutely. Sure. After the because you, know, you have the either the bomb drops or zombie apocalypse or both or both or, both, or you know maybe mold. the zombies build a bomb. No could, one's explored could that. Could be a mole man uprising. That's yeah. see, always possible. We're already underground. A very literal uprising. Yeah, we're we're under already underground, so it's like we're already in a diplomatic position. Sure, we're like the so, Switzerland in the Mole Man Uprising. So we come up with a Mole Man. Is that we hey, do all their banking? Hey, yes. hey look, I, I'll uh, I'll do I'll do the talking here. Sure. Yeah, exactly you know? right. I speak their language quite well. That's right. You don't want to yeah. offend the Mole Man. Yeah. You definitely don't want to offend the Mole Man. You're going to have yourself an international incident, <laughs> and then we just find a lab. And bring about Super Baby, and then I think we're I think we're off to the races. That's that's another good point. Although maybe the mole man, maybe they really like the canned beef, and maybe that's how uh, we win them over. Okay, right? yeah, it's a delicacy in their culture. So we got to make that sacrifice. Exactly right. To say, let's talk this over some 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 canned beef. I'm yeah. just picturing a kind of Mad Max style movie. I'm talking about the current one with the yeah. crazy fire and all that, where it's shot just as seriously and it's just as desolate, but instead of gas, it's just cans of corned beef hash being <laughs> traded back and forth. Yeah. But they talk about the same deadly kind of seriousness. Yeah. yeah. 
I would make me happy. Well, it's sort of like, yeah, it's got little cans of peaches. You know, yeah. You know. Well, it depends on the it's brand. It's all the most adorable of canned foods. Right, right. Are right. we talking Hormel or are we talking Libby? I mean, you got to have standards here, dude. Right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all, I, all I have is Aldi store brand. This isn't going to be worth much. I reject your offering. <laughs> and the mole men are offended. Exactly right. Even the mole men know not to shop at Aldi. That's yeah, rough. That's right. <laughs> Listen, this is all this is all very important, and it's going to be extremely yeah. important after the bomb drops. But until then, I have an emergency. What? Oh no! What? Listen, an emergency came on. Uh, is it more I, pressing than the mole man uprising? Yeah. Uh, it well, uh, I'll let you guys decide. It's definitely an emergency. This came in. Um, from the Twitters via our good friend Jake Live and Good, and here in Tennessee, and this was a photograph taken of a uh, you know some mega church, and they had a sign for their VBS, which is for the Vacation Bible School, little program for the little kids in the summer. Uh, you're out of school, come hear about Jesus at the thing, and the the sign looks startlingly like uh, the 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 font and the color and everything of the the Disney Pixar movie Finding Nemo, okay, but uh, and he even has like the little orange fish and the little blue fish on there, but instead of that it says Finding Jesus, <laughs> okay, yeah, right. and then the guy that the guy that posted this says the church and that's capital C, so not just this particular mega church, but the church in general has a spiritual gift for copyright infringement. Yeah, 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 they do. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was thinking about this and just wondering, you know, uh, I wondered if there was a racket for us in this, uh, right? It, you know, if if the if the if the churches are willing to pay top dollar, which they do, by the way, for these vacation Bible school sets, you know, right. the various mm. paraphernalia and the signs and the posters, the t-shirts, the whole whole deal. If they're willing to pay top dollar for like a a Disney ripoff style. Come hang out with Jesus, you know, kind of, you know, the Finding Jesus, Finding Nemo kind of thing. I just wonder if we could kind of get in there and mix yeah. it up a little bit too. If 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 uh, if if we could raise some funds by coming up with a a potential vacation Bible school, kind of corner that market before it gets too big. Mm. I think that's key. I'd like to start us off. I think I've got it. Okay. Cinderella. Yeah. But S I N. Yes. Yes. It's a week-long program to introduce your child to legalism and self-loathing. I like that. Right. Wow. Right. This whole story about a girl who's swept away by her sins. Right. Right. Yeah. She was told to stay in and clean. Right. By her parental figure. Right. Didn't do it. That's a sin. Cinderella. Okay. Cinderella. Boom. Are you? Su- are you maybe suggesting that we we teach them that their sins can only be forgiven by uh, manual labor? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Just do a basically. lot of cleaning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you also change. have the kind of the 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 you know the 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 stepsisters, but it's just like the elders of the church just kind of pouring shame on them and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's a little you more know, Game of Thrones than Disney, but okay. I, I you know I just got another, if I may. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Actually, actually, can I just quickly interject? Please, of course. Building on this idea, like if you had like a Jurassic Park font, yes. You know, but it's it's like Egyptian Park, okay. where they're okay. all Hebrew slaves in yeah. Egypt and yeah. doing work. Because yeah. I'm trying to build off this idea of, of free, the forced manual labor. Yeah, free child labor. That's I think. good. No that's, great, that's very great good. idea. They could create a lot of merch. Yeah. at a very low cost. That's right. Really turn a profit. This on is it. starting to sound more and more like a thing that already happens. Okay, here's here's my next one. <laughs> Introduce the shorties to eschatology. 
Okay. Right. Okay. Right. Fine. Beauty and the Beast. Only it's the beast rising out of the sea that has ten horns so, and thirty eyes. Sure. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. The Beauty and the Beast with ten horns and seven heads. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yes. So we're, you know, it's like this is a young, well-meaning, you know, Christian gal, but yes. then she falls in love with you know the the. The, the the beast who is at the center of the the city of Babylon as the as as hundred pound hailstones are raining down fire on the earth. I mean, you could really get into it with the props and stuff. I feel like yeah. With that one. In the middle of it, a teapot sings a song. It's whimsical. Sure, it's great. A tale as old as time. A Leviathan <laughs> rising from the deep. <laughs> wow, for the win! Fantastic. Yeah. I, I I had another idea. I th- I thought that we could we could probably introduce this one. Uh, it's it's a little bit old school, but I think the kiddies would still kind of go with it. 101 Damnations. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's, that's nice. it right that's there. Nice. That's yeah. good. That's very good. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's just, uh, you know, the as, as the... For as some the churches, is... the challenge of that would be scaling it back. It's only <laughs> you know, as the technology's advancing and we're all scared, so let's just make sure that we just, we just pour down as much damnation on the kiddies as possible. That's very good. I think that's I think, very, very good. I think it's possible we can dig in a little bit more with the classics into the legalism with the uh, Snow White and the Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, well, that's man. very that's good. strong. That's Seven Deadly good. Sins is not technically the Bible, which is the best kind of legalism. That's right. that's, <laughs> that's the kind of legalism really people really <laughs> like. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the 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 main thing is let's figure out a way to uh, bring the kids in. Yeah, and. Uh, what you, what you do is you take what everyone else has done, right, and created it and yes. made money off of it. But what you do is you steal that, yes, and copy it. But yep. your copy is not as good, right? Oh, okay. And then people love that. Yeah, yeah. You've right. you've accurately described business. You know, un- <laughs> <laughs> congratulations! Welcome to late era capitalism. You nailed it. Right. So that's that's what the church is doing now. Pretty yeah. much, just just do, doing capitalism. Sure, sure. So, that's in, good. in a very real and uh, legally binding way. I, I got a couple that aren't good. But right, I think they'd be ones that churches would actually do. Um, there's the, there's the laziest Disney crossover, which is Prince of Egypt. Sure, yeah. Right. And right. you literally just play that movie over sure. and over again until they're ready to go home. Which I don't right, think sure. kids would really hate that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we all know that you know cars, big yeah. Pixar hit. Yeah. So I'm pitching Jesus Fish. Okay. Which, you know, okay. in Cars is like the anthropomorphized Cars and they live life. I'm picturing kind of a Toy Story version of that universe. Okay. Where when those cars go to sleep, the Jesus fish on them come to life. Oh, yeah. And, like right. evangelize the other types of... And the uh, evil Darwin fish is the villain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they're, they're fighting for the souls. The bumper stickers are kind of in between. Yeah, it's like good. Like the comedy fish. Yeah. Right. Life's a beach doesn't know what choice to make. That's He's right. Torn, you know? that's, that's That's the, yeah, the, the big, the coexist. big action scene. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. tough. It's tough. It's hard, yeah. That's that's good. Now I I also want to branch this out. I think we should look at just ways what we can do some ripping off that'll make us some money. Uh, one is obviously we work with a lot of churches and they're always wondering how to get more people in the door, which is which is fine. You know you want to, mm. but you got to take a thing Christians already really super like because as Quinn's pointing out, one thing that almost no churches, particularly outside of like Triple C and like three that we work with, are trying is like what if there are people who aren't Christians and we get them to become Christians, right. then they'll come to this church. Right. That's a very unappealing idea to like almost all big suburban churches. Yes. They would right. take people who like church stuff and have the most churchy stuff. Right. Yes. We've talked before about the lighting rig, the cable cam, these types of things. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking if we could take that a, a little a different thing, because normally they're all, you know, Oak Brook and, you know, 
pleasing spring. There's sure. two vague words that right. kind of sound good together. Yeah, nature-y words. We can pitch something to take Family, something. faith, community, togetherness, <laughs> Absolutely. tree. Yeah, just hit all the words and tap something nature Spring, on community, faith, faith. It's like a name generator. No doubt. Yeah. But if we can take that, you say, what do Christians love the most? And then we'll just make that the thing. Yes. So I'm pitching church filet. Ooh, okay. It's oh. only open on Sunday. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Come to CFA open it. on Sundays. Now you've done it. Yeah. I think that would be the, I think that'd be, really be a church marketing breakthrough. Yes. Yeah, yes. Now, would there be actual breaded and fried fillets when I get there? Sure. Because then you got everything. Right? Yeah. If you got the little yeast rolls with the fried nuggets in, I'll still go. Right. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about waffle fries. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, church there. and waffle fries. Yeah, that's right there. That's better than most. That's really not a terrible idea, Matt. I'm I'm saying uh, copyright. Say that podcast 2017. Uh, I got one more. I think this. Um, so, but I, I obviously the point of the whole exercise is for us to get that sweet sweet cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we can directly point that to podcasting. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you look in the in the the podcast stores a little. There's a little icon, and you can you know type in a thing. And this is actually a thing people do. There is a there is a podcast called, and I I think the title of it is That American Life, okay. which I think only exists in the hopes that people will be looking for this American Life and w- mistype wow. which thing they're looking for. Okay. Awesome, yeah. It's very smart. It's much, but I so I'm pitching. Uh, we we rebrand this podcast WTF. Okay, phrase right. successful mark, but we write under it in what the fundamentalism. Oh, that's right. good. That's good. Right. So right. people click on it. We can make the logo blue, and you know, all of us have some version of beard, sort of look basically the same. Right. So click right. on that, and be like, oh, I wonder if he's interviewing Pat Oswalt this week. No, this is this. Well, I already downloaded it. Might as well stay subscribed, and that's how we will we will rise up. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Of course, we're we're all ignoring the fact that a an actual major Christian radio network. No idea what you're talking about. Did a very solid ripoff of this program, including exactly what you're talking. When you say solid, do you mean it was good or it was a blatant ripoff? It was blatant. It was it was basically. I think they reversed the colors of our logo, and it was essentially the same thing, same format. Yeah, but. The good news is we don't have to worry about them anymore. (laughs) Much much like the Finding Jesus VBS, Mm. that podcast was for a limited time. Yes, the school see the school year kicked off and they were uh, they were on to other things. Yes. Well, I think I think we've got a lot of good solid ideas, fellas. I think we we uh, throw this out. We start we start kind of. Cranking out the VBS boxes, get that sweet, sweet cash. Until then, yeah. I'd say uh, I'm, I'm ready to declare emergency off. Well, Boom. in that case, we will, we will move on. Of course, one thing that no one can take from us in our originality mm. is when we came up for the name of Bridgebox, we weren't ripping off anything else. <laughs> there was nothing else. That's right. Maybe they had right. almost all of those letters. We gave the else. people something they definitely did not want. <laughs> there was no Jed's wife did not get any type of makeup monthly box. I don't even know what you're that we may about. have been influenced by. And our lawyers have informed us that we changed just enough letters <laughs> to be on the right side of the law. And there isn't that go. the most important thing? There you go. Sure. Now, there are some places that may mail you some makeup samples uh, every month. Uh, Bridgebox is not that. No. Though right. we will be if you want it to be, because, sure. uh, you know, we give people what they want. But for now, it's a digital delivery service uh, every month of music, 
uh, sermons, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff, recorded live at the bridge, recorded by uh, Lee, our friend Pete, uh, the ever mysterious pool house guru, Ooh. some occasional guest musicians, and Jed heads up all the music there. So lots of great stuff. We've got uh, friends from all the way in Scotland on this month's bridge box. We've got some stuff from the bridge loud. We've got sermons by myself and Glenn. We've got a song from Lee. We've got a song from Pete. It's a great month. If you want to jump on, you can do that at missionusa.com slash bridge box. Only $8 a month. It makes a real, real difference to the work we can do up here in Chicago and what Lee can do down there with the youth in Tennessee. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. If you have a question, hang on with us all the way in the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This one says, So I really want to be going after Jesus for fulfillment and satisfaction and real joy, but I find it so easy to be distracted by other things, like material things, relationships, or achievements, and chase after them, even though I know they don't provide any real fulfillment. Now, before I kick it around, I will point out, friend, that is not a question. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to have to infer that you think this is wrong. And you want to stop doing it. I think it's a safe assumption. And Jed, if that is so the case, how do we get started on that? All right. Well, we appreciate you writing in. And actually, a, a lot of people feel that way. Um, I think that you might have overcooked this a little bit. That uh, doesn't sound like Christians. Well, I know. But let's let's take a look. You, you say that you are distracted by material things, relationships, and achievements, and you chase after them even though you know they don't provide any real fulfillment. The Bible actually does not agree with that. Um, at, at all. Uh, if we go back to the first book of the Bible, to the book of Genesis, uh, before sin had entered the picture, before man was separated from God in any way, man was in a paradise and enjoyed an uninterrupted relationship with God. We, we find um, a few things that relate to your question. First, God had put man in a physical paradise um, with uh, food to eat. So there are your material things. He he created a physical world. There was physical food for man to eat. Uh, The second thing is God actually gave man work to do. The Bible says that God put man in the garden to work it and to watch over it. Man had a purpose. Man had had a job. You you talk about achievements. Well, man had work to do before sin had entered the picture. The last thing is uh, God, the only thing that God looked at and said it isn't good in the garden was that man was alone. So God created um, Eve and then brought them together, and then that was great. Uh, That's your human relationships. Uh, So here's why I bring all that up. We live in a fallen world, and so everything is tainted. Uh, material right. things and relationships and achievements and work. Work's actually a really good example. God created purpose before there was sin, and then he put a curse on work after sin entered the picture. So everything is imperfect now. Everything is tainted. But God n- wants you to have material things in your life. He doesn't necessarily want you to have a Ferrari, but he does you know, want you to have enough to eat and enough to drink and clothes to wear. God definitely wants you to have relationships in your life with, with people that love you and care about you and want to build you up. Um, God created you with a purpose. God created you for, with things for you to achieve in mind. Um, you're, you're not here for, for no reason. I hear a lot of Christians talk about, all I need is Jesus. And that's not true. It's not supposed to be true. That is not biblical. That's not biblical. Um, All I want is Jesus. That's dishonest. Uh, No one feels that way. When man was in the Garden of Eden and enjoyed a perfect and uninterrupted relationship with God, he hung out. It says that God would come and walk through the garden in the evening, in the cool of the day, and interact with man. It's funny to think that in perfection, God and man were not in a 24-hour hug. 
that there were other things going on. Yeah. Well, uh, so it is even in this fallen world that God, again, wants you to have material things in your life. He wants you to have relationships in your life. He wants you to do things and, and achieve things. He actually wants all of those things for you. And they are meant to be... They are meant to be satisfying to you, actually. They can't be ultimately satisfying for a number of reasons. Chief amongst them, we live in a fallen world. But you're, if nothing else, men, you're meant to enjoy them. So I think one of the things that we want to look at as we get started is who told you that every desire you have is bad and wrong and ungodly? Because that's just not scriptural. It's not scriptural. It's not practicable. And it's not sane. Uh, that's, that's just, it's just messed up. Let's, let's cut to the chase for a second. I hear this most often from people who want to meet someone to marry and have been talked into feeling guilty about the fact that they want to be married. That is nonsense. Right. God created people to live in community. Um, God created, uh, the institution of marriage. God thinks it's good. God thinks it's beautiful. If you, you have relational needs in your life, God wants to see those fulfilled. Don't let people tell you that every single thing you want is bad. That simply is not true. Absolutely. Um, Glenn, I get the sense that as I throw this to you, that there's a certain type of answer that uh, a lot of Christians will be looking for when they brought this problem. And maybe our, our friend is. I don't think it's a useful answer, but I think we need to get it out of the way. Can you imagine where I'm going with that? Just stop it. Yeah. That's, oh, wow, that's great advice. That hadn't occurred to me at all. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, it, we, we, we don't mean to, we're not making fun, but there is a certain type of mentality about Christianity that says, I want to get this out, and if someone just firmly tells me to stop being naughty, right. then that'll be the, the push Absolutely. I need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we were joking uh, before we uh, hit record that we're going to start making people write the name of the book or the seminar where they got this from so we can track those people kind down. of as a captcha before you can hit enter you have to who told you this nonsense that's right um but here's the thing is that part of the problem with that sort of let me bash you over the head with something negative thing is that it it doesn't actually give you any insight yeah. into the situation right. in other words you're saying you know, I, I, I you know, I, I shouldn't be distracted by material things, relationships, and achievements, uh, because I know they won't provide any real fulfillment. But you are distracted by them. That's what you're saying yeah. here, and you know that they won't provide you any real fulfillment. Yet you can't seem to get off of going after those things and making them a priority and making them important. Why would that be? Yeah. And if you know why, why isn't that the thing going into the question here? In other words, my question is, if they don't provide fulfillment, what do they provide? Mm. That's what we needed. You know, this is how wisdom works. <laughs> you know, just bashing people over the head, making them feel bad, doesn't give them these kinds of insights. It doesn't, doesn't explain to you the nature of the struggle that you're having. Uh, that's part of the, the, the thing that we're... Uh, trying to kind of cajole you on a bit here is this idea of you've actually felt bad about wanting things that are reasonable to want. You can do all these things in a wrong way, uh, but you've vilified those things, but you haven't understood the perhaps unhealthy place they have in your life and why they even got there. I think that's the key thing. Um, I want to know how much of these things, material things, relationships, achievements, how, me- how much of the, the people, how many of the people in your environment 
value that stuff and perhaps overly value that? And how much you, is that part of your environment? Uh, we tend to value the things that the people around us value. We tend to chase after and make an importance of those things that the people around us value. If you're raised in a home where just achievement is everything, that's just drilled into you year after year after year, you're trying to go after that achievement, not in order to be happy, just to keep the pressure off of you. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Uh, it, that's an important thing to understand, and it's an important thing to take to God. If you say, I'm a bad person because I want this thing, you're never going to go to God and say, Lord, I want this thing, uh, but the wanting of it is killing me, and even getting it will just take me from miserable to neutral for a bit, and I know you want more from, for me than that. When you understand the, the, the blessing and the, 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 the rich, full life that he's trying to give you and where that is, then you know what it is that you need to go and what direction yeah. you need to head in. Knowing that you are a monkey because you want things does not do anything to get you closer to God or living a more godly life. Right. You're absolutely right. That's a really important point as we move on here. And Leo, I'd love to get to close out on this question. By building on that point, one of the things I think Glenn's pointing us to is there's an underlying problem with the way that we see these things. It goes back to what Jed was saying. And but there that has a very specific type of fallout that I think we need to deal with too. So if your thing is I am bad for wanting the things let's the things listed here. Um material things, relationships, achievements. Um if your thought is I shouldn't want these things, it is bad to want them. That leads to this weird kind of psychology of trying to, as Glenn is pointing out, get just enough of them to dull the 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 ache for them, and then right. you feel bad about that. And when Christianity is, you know, Jesus said, "I come that you have life and just enough life so that you don't feel like dying." <laughs> Wait, no, I got that wrong. To the fullest, Ooh. like a lot. And uh, now there are some things that if you, it is wrong to want uh, the destruction of your enemies. I don't understand that. I, I want that very badly, but yeah, I might believe that it's not something to want and probably not something Jesus is going to give me. Oh, that's a letdown. Yeah, really? I'm not going to stop asking. So. <laughs> Hope it's not my enemies. I hate those guys. <laughs> but if Jesus, these are all things, these guys point out, that could be taken in funky ways, relationships, material things, achievements, all that can, can take a weird left turn, but there, you can have a great version of it. So maybe the question we need to look for is, the idea someone may have is I need to lower my expectations of what life will give me and I will live in a right. hovel and not but white walls and I will wear a tunic. And then that's what Jesus wants of me. When we know from the Bible that Jesus wants you to have uh, a certain amount of material things, you know, yeah. it says that, you know, it's not a bad thing to want a place to live and a quiet life with your hands. It doesn't have to say it doesn't pay. He wants, definitely wants good relationships for you. He wants achievement for you. Yeah. Who am I? A really interesting point in the Bible that Lee was one to point this out to me years and years ago is there's a point where the two where two disciples come to Jesus and say, what do we have to do to be the best one? And he kind of tears him a new, a new one in the answer. But one thing he doesn't admonish at all is their desire to be the good one. Mm -hmm. He says you have to go about that in a specific way to get that in this kingdom, but there's no, well, you shouldn't want to have achievement or purpose. That's bad. So... Lee, all that to say, if we decide we're going to have really high expectations for our life, how does that tie into what these guys are saying about the way God wants you to live? I, I think that's a great question. I think the, the, the normal way that this kind of thing rolls out for Christians is, give me the list of things that are bad, 
and I will either not have them in my life or I will lie to you about having them in my life. And give me a list of things that are good, and then I'll just go really hard on those things. Um, and that's the way that, you know, in such a way that we're all a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a stamp cutout. We're all exactly alike. And that's how we know that we're okay. Um, the problem with this is there's no individuality, obviously there's no, and and this is even more important. There's no critical thinking. And, and then the, the third thing that there's none of, which is the most important is there's no actual relationship with God where there's back and forth. Okay. So here's what I mean by that. Um, so let's say you want to have a job to provide for your family. As Jed's saying, as Glenn's saying, these are good things. That is a good thing to want. Um, so how do you know when you've taken that too far and your life has become about uh, getting uh, the most amount of salary that you can or the most amount of achievement or the most amount of you know uh, accolades or whatever so that you now you're not hanging out with your kids at all, so you're not ever at home, and so you're being fake about your relationship with your family or whatever, whatever it is, where you really are about pride and you have left love behind. Well, the thing is, is that we don't know where that level is for everybody. And there's not a cookie cutter answer for that. There's not a stamped out answer for that question. What we need to do is you need to live. As Jed's saying, you need to eat food. You need to work a job. You need to uh, set goals and try to achieve that stuff. And then, and this is the key thing. (laughs) You need to be willing to be honest about the results. Okay. Uh, is this fulfilling to me? Am I, do I enjoy this? So many people, this is a weird thing. Um, so many people have no idea what they enjoy. Yeah. They have no idea what they find appealing and they have no idea what is actually giving them uh, a fulfilling life. Matt quoted, uh, Jesus saying, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Well, that means that Jesus is interested in this. He wants you to have life. When Jesus rose from the dead, one of the things that he said to his disciples was, does anybody have any fish? I'd like to eat some food now. Um, all, all these things, the physical universe that we live in, the body that we have, the work that we have to do, all that stuff is important. And it can get out of pocket in different ways for each one of us. So uh, ambition might be a totally different temptation at a totally different level for me than it would be for Glenn. And, you know, uh, you know, um, you know, awards or accolades or advancement might be a totally different level for Jed than it would be for you who's listening. But the only way that we can figure that out is if we live our life and we do the things that we're supposed to do and called to do and all that kind of stuff and figure out what we want to do. And then if we're honest about the results, um, one of the things that, that happens to me all the time in, in, you know, ministry with high school guys is, that guys are devastated when they understand that that I have learned, you know, the bad things they do on the weekend. And they get so pissed at whoever it is that outed them that they did the thing, you know, on the weekend. And I'm always like, dude, I know. I know what you do. Um, when I was in high school, I did the same thing. One, my concern for you is um, I'd love for you to tell me how that was. Like, was it amazing? You know, like, did you have the greatest time of your life? Like, was it, tell me, 
You know, tell me how awesome and fulfilling it was, or be willing to say that it was pretty boring, it was kind of lame, we were all kind of lying to ourselves about it, and uh, if I really did what I wanted, it probably wouldn't be that. That's the place that we're missing, is can we, do, can we engage in this stuff and then be honest about, am I actually find, finding life here, and I want to have high expectations, and I want to be greedy about what I get out of this stuff, out of, out of following Jesus, but also out of serving Jesus, but also out of the stuff that I'm into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, look, if, if you tell me, dude, you got to watch this show, it's amazing, and then I watch it, and I think it sucks, well, I'm not going to push through uh, to you know, season four or five, just because everybody says it's awesome. But a lot of people live everything in their life that yeah. way. They never stop to think about whether or not I actually like this show and I want to watch it anymore. I don't want to watch it anymore. I'm glad you all love it, but I'm done with it. If we could be honest about everything in our life in that way, then I think that we could, we could give a, a Christian person the advice, chase joy, chase fulfillment. Chase satisfaction, chase pleasure, and and then people would actually start to get a handle on what it is that God has has made them for, called them into, and where He wants to give life to Amen. them. Amen. Hey Amen. I think you're absolutely right. It's a very important distinction that Leah's given us there, which I think really gets the heart of this, which is there's a certain amount of chasing things in the hope they will give us a certain outcome. You know, as we we talk about many times, you know, you chase. They, they, when you are a child, someone sits down and says, you must get good grades for then you can go to a good college. Then you can get a job that is important and makes money. And then you will feel good about yourself and be secure in your life. When what right. you, you'll never find uh, four people who wandered probably further from that track than the ones just do here. Yep. And uh, we all like our <laughs> life pretty much more than anyone I've ever met. Yep. There's yeah. a prescription there that's not necessarily outcome oriented. Hmm. And we all have many friends who achieved everything all that along the way. And really super hate their life. So a case study there. And again, you know, say, well, I'll get in a relationship so that I'll feel, you know, desired and wanted and, you know, have a certain amount of security and affection. If it's a crappy relationship, you're not going to get any of that out of it. Right. So that's a problem. But if we can look for these things that are, again, to go back to something we said last episode that Glenn points out often, that are virtues, that are positive outcomes we know God wants us to have, things like meaning and love and positive yeah. things and so on. And then kind of work backwards from there. Maybe we'll get where we're going a little faster because it is a little bit about being outcome-oriented to this. And I think that's where the last thing I want to say about this is we absolutely, and this goes back to where Jed starts off in this, the best thing you can do to, to this is get rid of the judgment. Yeah. Because here, here's the truth. of This is true of almost everyone. There are some very rare exceptions for a number of reasons, but pretty much everybody is doing their best guess at what's going to get them the outcome they want. Um, right. if you are willing to say, well, this is, this is taking a turn. I am not getting the outcome I want. I will bail without, well, was it, was it not my duplicitous heart that led Ooh. me down? No, it was that you, I mean, that can get played into it, you know, ego or whatever, but you thought this was going to make you happy. It didn't make you happy. You can just kind of turn tack on that. If you can, right. That's the it. desire of Christians to, this is a Christian culture thing that if you feel this way, much like Glenn pointed out earlier, it's not your fault. And if you'd like to write us in, the person whose book you read this in, we will think hateful thoughts at them on your behalf, is the idea of if I just pump enough emotion into this, that will inherently right the ship. Yeah. 
Just if I can get riding the tides of emotion, that's going to drive me in the right way when that is kind of exactly the opposite of what you want to do. The more you can right. take an unemotional, sober look at, well, why did I do X thing that turned out to be a really bad idea? Well, I thought it would give me this thing. It didn't. So I should look for something that will give me that thing because I still want that. That's going to drive you a lot closer to where you want to be, and it's going to have a lot better outcome. All right, we're going to move on to our second question here. This came into our email address, and it says... Recently, the idea of God disciplining us has come up a few times in my life. Even in Bible study, where it seems like a safe place to talk about it, I find myself not wanting to, since it seems like such a tiny step towards seeing God as authoritarian and maybe even unloving. There is something in the idea of discipline that is unsettling and that I don't want to acknowledge. Despite our desire to present God as loving and gracious, I can't ignore all the evidence in Scripture of God doing just that, disciplining His people. The first part of Hebrews 12 makes it quite clear that the discipline is intentional and providential for our sanctification. So why is there such a reluctance to talk about it? I think this is a very good question. Let me get you to start us off here. I think discipline is one of those things. There are other things in this that we might get into. There are things that are clearly in the Bible that are a little complicated in the sense of they seem to say one thing in their face, which they may not, but they just kind of violate whatever narrative somebody wants to have. So their instinct is don't look at the man behind the curtain. So when we come up against one of those things and we can use discipline as an example, as we talk about this, how do we, how do we attack those things? How do we push through that discomfort to get to understanding? Well, here's the thing, and this will save you, especially if you're, if you're leading a Bible study, if you're maybe uh, discipling people in a Sunday school class, something like that. One of the things you're going to come across uh, time and time again is you're using one word and they're hearing an entirely different word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when when you hear the word discipline, when we say the word discipline to you, you're hearing the word punishment. Yep. Those are two different yeah. things. In fact, they're kind of the opposite. Think of it th- and and understand when we say discipline, we're talking about something that rescues you yeah. from punishment. Discipline rescues you from punishment. Well, how does that work? Well, let, let's use an example uh, from our ministry. We had a, a, a guy. Uh, he was uh, one of those guys. We, we have a lot of amazing, amazing people we witness to and that we work with and we, we disciple and bring along. And then we have a few that we just don't know what's going to happen with this guy. And uh, th- this is one of those guys, a little bit stubborn, a little bit hard-headed, kind of wants to do everything his own way, had been kicked out of everywhere. Uh, and he <laughs> he happened to have uh, diabetes. And, of course, he's not able to eat in a healthy way. And, uh, you know, he's uh, out uh, living on the streets at various points in time because he's been kicked out of literally just every everywhere. Like, you just no longer live indoors. Because, the shelters know him by name. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is, bless his heart, uh, we got word that he actually uh, had been outdoors for some length of time. His diabetes had kicked in, and he had to have both of his feet amputated. I mean, mm. just think about the, the, just the, 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 the terrible impact of that. Now, here's the thing. If I took this guy, I build myself a time machine, and I go back in time, and I take him and I drag him down into an underground basement, and I lock that basement, and I say, here are lettuce leaves, you're going to eat those lettuce leaves, and I don't care what you think about it. You don't get the canned beef. You You get lettuce. You get lettuce leaves, (laughs) you get a, a celery, you get a carrot, that's it. That's what you're eating now. 
he would say, in that moment, I am being punished. This is the greatest cruelty I can imagine. That's right. And I could, in that moment, if, if, if I wanted to, use the word discipline and to say, uh, you know, you, you should discipline yourself, but because you're not, I am not disciplining you, and I'm teaching you that you should, this is how it should be, and I'm keeping you from doing something stupid with yourself that will horribly harm you. And I'm going to call that thing discipline. That, that would fit. It would work. It would be, be that. But you don't think this is a good thing unless you see what I see, which is in the future, they're going to amputate your feet, for God's sake. Yep. The, the, the eating of the lettuce leaves is not a punishment. It's not a horrible thing. It's not a negative thing. It's the amputation, for God's sake. Yes, you know, uh, uh, doing everything your own way yeah, it, it gives you a certain pleasure. Eating whatever you want to eat gives you a certain pleasure. We understand all of that. But what we're doing is we're causing you a small amount of discomfort now in order to to rescue you from a massive amount of discomfort later. And that applies for when, I, I, uh, when I'm applying self-discipline, when I'm disciplining mm-hmm. myself, or whether, whether God does that uh, with us. So to me, I think the key question that, that you should ask yourself is, do you need discipline mm-hmm. in your life? Uh-huh. Do you need God every now and then to keep you from just ruining everything? Because I promise you, I need that. <laughs> yes, big time. Preach. Like, real big time. <laughs> Go ahead. Now, now I, am I thankful when God is disciplining me? Of course not. I'm griping. What, what do you do? <laughs> Are you some kind of weirdo that's just like, I'm thankful for this discipline. You need to get some kind of help, and that's actually a whole other show. But here's what I'm saying is, <laughs> this is what I'm saying is, uh, that that uh, if you know that you need that discipline, you have to get to a place of of acceptance and to say I don't I don't despise the Lord's discipline. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not getting myself in, into a, a mindset of I I know better and I I need to just be free to do whatever I want. I'm accepting that I must need this, even if I can't see what it's doing, even if I don't understand the right. future of what's going to happen. I'm stuck in this time frame, and God understands that. Yeah. But I'm looking for uh, a, a sense of recognition of when I perceive something as bad or punishment, it's actually a rescuing and, and a, a alleviation of pain somewhere down the line. That's a really, really good point about this one specifically. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick up there, maybe open this up for a little bit of this. There's this idea of I come across something jesus something churchy, something particularly in Scripture, that makes me feel uncomfortable. This must be a red flag yep. of some kind. When I'm not mm-hmm. sure that's necessarily true, because the whole point of this thing is that you're a massive screw-up who can't do anything right, and you need literally the <laughs> yeah. being that's in charge of the whole universe to personally invest in your case to get anywhere right. I'm not sure that's something we should necessarily be comfortable with, right? So what does that discomfort tell yeah. us, and how do we uh, either use it or ignore it as need be? Uh, here's what the discomfort tells us. Christians don't like to talk about the discipline in, in Hebrews 12 because Christians don't like the gospel. Ooh. It polls very low. Uh, I don't, I, I know that feels weird to say it, but if you rewind the tape a little bit and go back and listen to Glenn's answer again, you're going to hear this really cool thing, which is you're going to hear a guy saying, I don't do anything right. Yep. Right. I don't assume that I know anything right. or that I or that I want anything good for myself. If left on my own, I would 
utterly destroy myself, right. you know, and quickly. Yeah. Um, now, now, when you hear somebody talk like that, what you what you have found, dear listener, is someone who understands the good news of Jesus, right? <laughs> because uh, that 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 kind of self revelation can either make you extremely extremely depressed, or you can realize that. Even though that's true, that my heart is completely selfish in every way, and basically Chernobyl, you know, it's we we still can't populate this place. Or, um, but but as as Matt says, the God of the universe has loved me so much that He has literally laid down His own life to pay for me and given me a new start and the whole thing. If I was comfortable with the gospel. I have no problem with someone being offended by me and saying, I'm sorry. Uh, If I was comfortable with the gospel, I have no problem with the idea that the all-powerful, all-knowing God from time to time has to teach me uncomfortable lessons. If I was was comfortable with the gospel, I am okay with something that Jesus said, which is in the Beatitudes when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm Mm-hmm. Blessed are those who mourn over whoever that person they thought they were is. <laughs> Blessed are those who are meek, mm-hmm. who understand what you have something bad to say about me. You don't know the half of it. <laughs> if you knew everything about me, you just have to, if you want to talk about how messed up I am, you better pack a lunch. It's going to take a while, you know? And I think the, so the, the reason that we're so uncomfortable with the idea of, of the discipline of the Lord is that we don't like the gospel because the gospel says that we are utterly and completely need to be saved. Exactly as Glenn described himself in the last answer, that's a man that's comfortable with the good news. And the the great thing is, if I would go ahead and accept the good news all the way down to the core about what it says about me, but also what it says about Jesus and the way that he feels about me, then I am totally fine. I'm totally fine with the idea that I need to be told some stuff. And if I can realize that God is teaching me stuff, I'm not being punished. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus bore all of my punishment. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I'm not being punished. I'm being taught. And does anybody need to be taught more than me? I don't know if anybody needs to be taught more than me. I need to be taught. I need to be held by the hand. I need to be trained over and over and over again. If I'm comfortable with the gospel, I'm comfortable with discipline. Amen. It's a really fantastic point. Jeff, I'd love you to close us out on this by t- building on what Lee is saying there of there is... Or, friend in the question writes out, and I think this is a very common view of one of the reasons we are uncomfortable with discipline is it seems unloving. Sure. And if we think of discipline as punishment, then yep. that makes sense. Um, but if we take discipline for what it is, actually is in that definition that Lee gave us there, it is actually a very loving thing. And maybe that proper understanding helps us reconcile that, right? No doubt about it. I love everything Lee said. I love everything Glenn said. And they're right in all of it. Let's take it full circle. Teaching, training, discipline does it rescue you from bad things? It absolutely does. Uh, does it prevent you from disaster? It absolutely does. But that's not all it does. I would suggest to you that teaching and training and discipline is the pathway to everything good in life. And I'll, I'll mm. prove it to you. Nobody likes being yelled at by the football coach. No one enjoys that. You know what people enjoy is winning. The wow. feeling of we won. The path to winning is teaching from the guy who knows more about football than you do. That's it. That's how you get there. There's a thing you want. The path is teaching, training, and discipline. That's how you get there. Um, 
I want you to think of a dream that you have in your life, winning the big game, playing in a band, writing a novel, uh, learning how to sail and sailing the ocean, whatever it is. The path to doing that is teaching and training and discipline. That's it. That's, that's how you get there. A, a person with, who has not been taught, a person who has not been trained, a person who has not been disciplined and indeed become a disciplined person. A disciplined person is a person who consistently makes effective decisions in the moment. That's what a disciplined person is. Someone who is not that can't really achieve anything. They can't really do anything cool. Um, you know, because basically they're just going on their base instincts everywhere they go all the time, right. <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, well, I was going to say how much of this is based on, I've never had a firm, but loving person teach me stuff. Oh, I think that's all right. of it. I, I think that's all of it. I'll give you an example from my own life. So I do a lot of talking and a lot of singing and a lot of this kind of stuff. And a couple of years ago, I was getting just a lot of vocal stream. My voice was getting tired really, really fast. So I found an opera lady who lives in, in the town near here. Um, uh, and she's a, she went to super, super famous school and she's, you know, uh, sung opera forever. And I said, I need you to teach me how to talk and sing and breathe. Cause I clearly don't know how to do those things. Now here's the thing <laughs> yeah. is she uh, is really cool and really kind and really loving and also super direct. So she'll say, uh, sing this thing for me and I'll do it. She'll say, that was awful. Right. Now let's do it good. But but she will teach she'll teach me this is how we do it <laughs> right, good. This right, is right. how you do. This yeah. is how it's great. Well all of a sudden, you know, it's great. I wake up in the morning and my voice doesn't feel like it's been through a grinder. <laughs> right. It's right. it's fantastic. You know, I need to it, this is weird, but seriously, the you know, the cookie monster stuff with metal music. I need to be able to do some of that for some work Glenn has me doing. Never been able to do it before. I can do it because someone taught me and trained me. Mm. They were firm about it, but they were mm. also loving and encouraging about it and it got to right. a really cool place place the limit whatever you imagine is the limit for yourself the coolest stuff you could ever be a part of i guarantee you you're selling yourself short you could do and be a part of way 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 cooler things than you would believe you could be but the path to getting there is being humble enough to receive teaching and instruction and training and discipline. If you'll do that both with the Lord and with qualified people in your life, there's no limit, not only to the problems you can avoid, but to the good stuff that you can be a part of. We want that for you, and so does the Lord. No doubt that is all really fantastic stuff. I will move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, How much do you you and your teams talk about repentance? I mean, I know God loves everyone and Jesus died for everyone, but the fact that God loves us alone doesn't save us. We need to repent. And I guess I'm just wondering how often you all in your podcast and such reiterate all of that. Now, there was a, um, there was a line in the middle of that that was very wrong. And I don't judge our friend because they've heard some clearly messed up stuff on this, but I'm going to correct it before we start in because I'm going to save these guys some time. God loves us alone doesn't save us. Yeah, it does. That's yeah. that's the saving part. You actually don't yeah. need to repent in order to be saved. That's not in the Bible. Um, so if anyone tells you that, kick them in the shins, then run away. Or just you just leave, but where's the fun? Real quick, Bible nerds, uh, the verse says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's right. There yes. you go. Repentance mm-hmm. is a specific word with a specific meaning, which we will get into now. And it has nothing to do with salvation, but Lee, why don't we start off from that very basic, what does repentance actually mean? Yeah, I, I I have to jump on the train for a second. There's not a place that says repent of your sins that I can think of in the New Testament. 
There, it does talk about repent, but the word is not connected with the word sin. That's very interesting because the word doesn't mean what you think. So the answer to the question is, how often do you talk about repentance in your ministry? A, a bunch, but not in any way that you would probably recognize as that. And the reason is because that word is a, it's a, it comes from a Greek compound word that means to change your thinking, change the way you think about this. Um, in my work with, with high school guys in particular, with high school folks, with college guys, with college folks, with young folks that are about to get married in premarital counseling or, or counseling for folks who have been, who are already married, the, the, one of the constant themes is you think this currently, you need to change the way that you think about this. Um, this thing that you're into, we need to look at what it's really giving you and what it's really doing for you and what you think it's doing for you, and what you think it's giving to you. Um, that's all repentance. That's what repentance is. And that's kind of what, um, as, as you, as you work with somebody and, and they grow in discipleship, as they grow in their relationship with the Lord, it's kind of a constant rinse and repeat of what repentance really means. I thought it was this way. Turns out it's this. That's what you have repented. I have changed my thinking about this thing. Congratulations. Repentance has happened for you. That's really awesome. But that, and so really it's like with the work of, with the work of, whether it's evangelism or discipleship and stuff like that, you're kind of talking about this kind of thing all the time, but it's not this deal of, well, uh, I know that you, you know, you, you believe Jesus died for you, but, um, have you really dug in there and felt sorry about your sins. Are you crushed by your transgressions, Lee? Are you are you despondent over your iniquity? Oh, not as despondent as you, clearly. You're the most <laughs> well, the despondent. <laughs> Man, that's the thing. It's like the book of John says uses the word believe 90 times. That's what you get to you you believe in Jesus, you're in. Yep. 90 times. That's a lot of times, y'all. A lot of times. But this word, you know, repentance being connected with that, how many times is it associated with the 90? None of the times. Mm. That's not what this is about. Repentance is a thing that, this is a thing that I need. And related to the last question, because of the nature of the gospel and the nature of my heart and stuff like that, I constantly need to change the way I think about stuff. Because my mind is fallen, my heart is completely selfish. I need to change the way I see things, change the way I think about things. I'm in a constant state of repentance, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing, and it has, and here's the key, and I know these other brothers are going to dig on this. It has nothing whatsoever to do with emotion. Mm. It's not about emotion. It's about thinking. Yeah, that's really fantastic stuff. And I'd love to uh, go to you, Jed, to get you to pick up on that. Okay. Exactly what he's saying. There's a, as we get into what repentance actually means, I think we will um, uh, illuminate how it's used in our ministry. Because Mm. if the plan was you have to feel bad about yourself, actually the people we work with at Barry Chicago, and I think the young people Lee works with the exact same way, are more than happy to do that. In fact, that's their first plan. (laughs) As I should tell you how awful I am. We, We often joke and we tell host teams and like the folks Lee will bring up in the summer um, to not be thrown off. If you ask someone and sit down next to the bridge and say, what's your name? And they give their name and then give a list of all the awful things they've ever done in descending order of awfulness. Yep. Cause there is a sense of, they really want to freak church people out and kind of 
for some reason, I want to yeah. see if we're still around. They want to have that idea. And they're the sweetest people ever, but feeling bad has not helped any of them. Nope. It's when we talk them off that and get them to, as least talk about, try something new that some help actually comes into the picture, right? Yep. That's yep. a good point. Yeah. No doubt about it. It's a great point. Uh, I'm, I'm about to tell you the least used word in church ministry. The, the least used word in any sermon ever. Of all words, this is the most forbidden. So prepare yourself. How? <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. You Here's go to, how let me, you do let me this. Check the, check yeah. me, let me check the list. Centrifugal, kumquat. How is the last one? That is sounds how. Like <laughs> when you go to church, they want to tell you all kinds of things. They want to tell you a bunch of Bible facts. They want to tell you what to do. What? Whys. They want to tell you what, why, where. But the thing they never, ever talk about is how. Right. Now, Jed, would that be because the uh, education they paid $40,000 for specifically tells them don't ever tell people how that could be proven wrong in their life and they won't come back here. Yes, that's exactly why. Right. But here's the thing. Real people, actual people, people who are in the process of repentance, of changing their thinking, want to know how. This is the thing. So this is a story that's happened 10,000 times, but one specific instance. I'm in Cook County Jail. I think we're in Division Two, And there's a guy, is a younger guy. He's involved in gang stuff. And uh, so he's he's done, uh, he's been selling drugs and doing violent things. And he's come to our chapel service and I'm talking to him and I'm going to say, man, what's the deal? And what are we looking at? Here's what he explains to me. I was in, I am in, was in a, a gang. And we talk about one love and a more and all that. And this is the thing. I've been in here six months. Nobody's called. Nobody's Nobody's written me. Mm. Nobody's come to visit me. Um, in, in prison, you have a thing called a commissary where you can buy like soap. He says, nobody's put any money on my commissary where I can buy any soap or anything. And this is the thing. I'm done. Uh, they, they, they talked a real good talk when I was out there, but I'm done. It's, it's right. over. Okay. This dude is repenting. Right. This dude is, he is changing the way that he thinks in this mm. moment. But the key thing that he needs is someone to tell him how to actually live that out. Did you, did you right. start by telling him to repent? Well, what I did is I said, gangs are bad. Right. And you are a part of a gang, and that means you're bad. So repent. So repent. <laughs> repent of your sins. Yeah. That's what I told him. Then if he you say it in that me. voice, maybe it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> then he stabbed me because that's not a way you should ever talk to another human right. being. That's right. But his implicit question to me is, how do I do that? Right. I, I want to turn over a new leaf. I, I am thinking differently. This is clearly not working. Exactly right. I'm in Cook County Jail. Things have gone awry. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart observation, friend. Right, right. Okay. I am in the process of changing my thinking. I'm not sure how to live that out. Yeah. That's the thing yeah. that I need help with. Exactly. Um, that's, that's what I need someone to, to line out for me. That's what I need uh, some assistance with. Here's the thing for our question asker. Here's part of, of where I suspect this is coming from is I have heard a lot of people in church ministry say, you know, the people that come to our church, it's like they don't even know they're sinners. Mm. You know, we need to convict them. Nope. We, we need to get up there and just, you know, because they don't, they think they're doing great. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what they think. There's a few problems here. The first is the scriptures teach that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of their sins. Right. Not huh. you. Right. What? Let me repeat that. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of their sins, not you. Right. But um, I could like help. I could be like the assistant convictor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And, they, and a lot of them are convicted, and the way they handle that conviction is trying to make excuses for it. So exactly right. It's all the same, dude. Exactly right. Here's all I'm saying. Maybe there are people out there that do just think, man, I'm just it. Right. I'm the tops. Yeah. I'm just... 
I'm yeah. it, baby. Maybe right. I've never met that person. Right. I know a huge range of people across an impossibly wide swath of humanity. I mean, it's it's weird. I've never met a person that didn't know they were kind of a screw up. Right. They might not have, you know, the specific religious language to put to that, but they knew they sucked. Right. I've right. never met a person in my life where that wasn't true. Yeah, they might be yeah. making excuses for it, but it's the same thing. I know I they they're saying I I think I, I this is wrong, but I think I have something on the other side of that ledger that that gets me off the hook or something like that. Exactly right. Nearly everybody, as Matt has said recently, is doing about the best they know how to do. Right. And they're kind of aware their best is not very good. Yeah. If they knew what to do better and how to do it better, some part of them would already be trying to do that thing. Right. It's, right, it's right. a funny little miracle because nobody wants to suffer. We talk about repentance all day, every day. That's actually the only thing we talk about. We talk about how to make a change in your life. That's that's what we talk right. about. We don't put unnecessary religious language on top of it because that's off-putting and weird. Right. It actually doesn't it doesn't help anything. I think you have in your mind, and I know you come by these things honestly, but I think you have in your mind the idea that if we used the literal word repentance and and made sure to use the word sin and conviction and uh, broken and contrition, that if we use those words, it would be better. What you're describing there is a magic spell. That's an incantation. You, witchcraft. You are you are literally describing witchcraft there. Right, that, right, that's right. that's you have left Christianity and that is paganism. Right. Is is what you are describing. Um, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. The path to that is faith in Him and then a lived out repentance. We are in the process of helping people figure out how to live that out. That's everything we do all day, every day. You're absolutely right, and Glenn, I will, I will have you uh, close us out on this as the one who has been doing this the longest and. Uh, taught uh, two-thirds of the other people in this podcast how to do it. Um, you, I think you can speak to this, but I think Jed's absolutely right. I want to focus on this idea of the language because yeah. there's a lot of stuff, and I think for being fair, it's written and preached by people who have never done this thing that they're talking about. Of yes. Witnessing, sharing your faith, outreach, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of people get paid to talk about that who've never actually done it. Mm. So they come up with a what seems to be a reasonably good formula, and it's you know, step A, B, C, D. And one of those would be repent and turn from your mm-hmm. wickedness. Right. But <laughs> nah, th- th- there's an idea in there that's not entirely wrong. Right. The idea that if you, if, some, if part of, if we see that a lot, wanting to ter- have someone give their life over the Lord, or if they want to grow in their faith, they will come to you at some point and say, I had a lot of ideas. Right. And many of them seem to have landed my life in, to use a theological term, the crapper. Right. <laughs> so I would like a better life. Right. What do you got? Right. right and it's right. a very important part of your witness in that moment to have something. Yes. Doesn't have to get it all in one fell swoop. Right. But have something that helps. Right. I get the feeling that's not what a lot of these folks are talking about when they throw that word repent out there. That's right. But this idea of somebody wants to do something new, I think that's a good thing. It's just not the terminology we're using, right? Absolutely right. Um, The other thing that I find adorable and fascinating is people always want to know, do I tell other people to repent? Mm. They they never wonder if I should tell them they need to repent. I repented. Come on. (laughs) I got it. I mean, for example, if you ask this question, and I think if if I said in, in answer to it, I think you suck and you need to repent. You your response would be, "Oh, hey. gee whiz, that's not cool." Words hurt, Glenn. That's right. <laughs> but for you, that's great. For other people to hear that, they need to hear that, not me. So I I, I think that idea needs to be repented of certainly. 
but uh, <laughs> better repentance. Ooh, that's the best kind. That's right. Um, exactly right. Um, as as these fellows are saying, uh, uh, you know, the Greek word is metanoia. It means to change the way you're thinking. In fact, if you want to really kind of nail that down, it means to change your bottom line conclusions, which I think is a really mm. awesome way of thinking about that. It's like you're changing the way you reason through things. An example that Judd was giving of, of this uh, guy's a gang member. He's locked up, and he's his his bottom line conclusions about the nature of these relationships and how does he fit within them and how the world works and everything has changed. And, uh, and we need to have that point of change. We need to have that point of, uh, clarity. Yeah. This, yeah, this isn't what I thought it would be. This is not what I want. This is, you know, I, you know, when does that, you're absolutely right. It's not an important part of this function. Talking about this in a functional way is realizing in order to repent, we may have to nail down what it means, what people, we want people to repent of. The problem right. with, you know, the guy in Cook County and he's, he's gangbanging, which means he's selling drugs, he's probably doing violence right. to hold. The real problem with that that he needs to address is not that it's naughty. Yeah. Right. Sure. It's not that it is immoral. It is. We can, right, we're, right. We're, we're, we're anti drug dealing. Sure. We see far more than most people the problems that causes. Right. But the thing he's repent of isn't necessarily the naughtiness, it's the not working, right? Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Here's the thing let's, let's really, really bring this home. The, the, the deal that we're all trying to do with this question is you're asking a, a question and, and bringing up an issue that is so perfectly irrelevant to ministry, I can't even tell you. Because yeah. here's what we're saying. This is not how any ministry conversation would ever go. I see this you're is, a sinner there, friend. So, Have you considered repentance? Yeah, some, I notice you gambling and smoking on the street corner. Some, <laughs> some dude who has never ministered to another human being in his life, and I know it's a dude, has told you how to do it. And you're thinking, okay, this is how it works, but I don't see real people who really do it talk like that. And 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 you know, right. you know, isn't something missing here? So let me give you a, a, maybe a picture so that you, you can kind of see it from our perspective, having actually done this. So you can kind of see why, because because we we don't think this is a, a foolish question from a foolish person. We don't. No. This this is uh, it's it's nuts thinking that has come from somebody else. I feel certain. But here's the thing: think of it like this. Um, uh, Jed's describing doing ministry at Cook County Jail, and uh, I, I from time to time I've done ministry there where you're there's a unit. Okay, so it's a big big room, big square room, about 75 guys in one room. And they've, they've got uh, what looks like picnic tables, but they're bolted to the, to, the, to the floor there. Everybody's sitting around those things. And I'm coming in, and I don't know any of these people, and just ministry is just go. They're there, and you just go. Here's the thing. In this room, there may be one person, and it would be shocking if it was more than one. But there may be one person who says, I'm a perfectly lovely dude. Yeah, I have great. no... I'm just no. misunderstood, really. Yeah. Um, uh, and that would be the same if you were going into a suburban shopping mall. It would be the same thing if you were going into uh, the, the, the food court at a, a, a university, something like that. There's, there's, there's one weirdo who thinks... I, I, I'm the greatest. <laughs> I'm the greatest, whatever. And... Um, and there's a number of people, as we were talking about before, who maybe are making excuses, but that's an overcompensation for the sense that I, I have a problem there. 
And then you have some people who are saying, I need to make a change, but I'm still kind of caught up in what I'm caught up in, and I just, I'm not ready. Then you're going to have a solid, significant, really decent number of these people who are saying, I need to change, and I don't know right. how, as Jed was saying. How? How? Okay, this is the thing. So you would never go to that person who says, I need a change and I need to know how. You would never go to them and say, repent, because that would be insane. Of course we don't say that. What's wrong with you that you would even ask that? That's nuts. But the, the thing is, you're, you're, you, the, the image that people have in their mind is that we're going up to people who think they're perfectly lovely and yeah. telling them to repent, which you wouldn't do because that would be jerky too. But the point is... Why would you go to the person who thinks they're straight and squared away, whether they're making excuses or whatever that is, why would you go to that person and try and ram Christianity down their throat, stepping over the person who is saying, I want God in my life, how do I do this? Won't someone come along and tell me? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't ignore that person. To get, what you do is, with ministry is you're looking for the person who's hungry and ready right now. And there are so many of them, you'll never run out. Yes. And, and by the time you get through with <laughs> sorting those that know they need it out... The rest of them will have expired on their nonsense. They would have. They, they will have come to the end of their rope of their of whatever they're on. And they're ready to hear it later, and then you'll be ready later because you've already dealt with these other ones. The idea is you have to feed those that are hungry. You have to give healing to those who know that they're sick and come that on. they need it. They've already there gone through that process of changing their bottom line conclusions. I know that gang isn't what it is. I know that drugs isn't what it is. I know that having this relationship with this girl who I thought would make me happy is not what it is. I know I need something else. I don't know what it is, and I don't know how to get there. You don't look to that person and say, you need to repent, for God's sake. That's, that's <laughs> just not what this is. It's about showing that love. It's about taking people who are at that turning point, which is everything we're talking about here. Find people who are at that turning point and, 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 and throw them that life preservers. Talk to them about love and grace and help them find what it is God wants for them. Absolutely right. I think it's important. That's all fantastic stuff in these guys. One last thing I'll close out on. Um, Lee started us off by talking about um, ways the word repent is not used at all in the New Testament mm. and uh, does not use about salvation. That is not talked about repenting of your sin. Um, the Probably the, more, the most famous ones outside this Romans passage, which we've referenced several times, which literally basically just says, repent, y'all. Yeah. Do that. Change your way of thinking. You know? Yeah. Um, but there's a, one of the things that people would twist into repent and be saved, meh, which is when it first pops up in the New Testament in Matthew 3 and 4, with uh, John the Baptist saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, and then repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. It's interesting to me that Christians automatically jump to reading an implied threat in that yeah. mm -hmm. when there is no implied threat. If, if we, again, if the kingdom of God wasn't here and now it's here, you would need to change some bottom line conclusions <laughs> right, that's right. about the yeah, way the world worked and your definitely. role in it and what we were doing here. Yeah, I really need to buy this new car and <laughs> yeah. it barely make me happy. Jesus is coming tomorrow, so I better get that done. You know, yeah. Done. yeah so, but yeah, exactly what you're saying there. And a lot of those changing everybody, those bottom line conclusions would become far better and far sunnier mm -hmm. and far more joyful. Of you know, if we look at the the intertestament period of you know 300, 400 years of no prophets, no miracles, no nothing. 
probably a lot of people are wandering around going, so is God just, are we not doing the God thing anymore? Like we used to be like the chosen people and all that. We're just not doing that anymore. We're done. He kind of left us to fly off and, you know, no, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Change that conclusion. Right. They did that you just kind of do things and God doesn't care and he's not here and the whole Messiah thing was never going to pan out. All that is changing now, friend. Mm-hmm. You must repent of that. Now, there is these, it is these, in some negative places, like in Matthew 21, I'm sorry, in Matthew 11, when they, woe on unrepentant towns would be mm. the, the chapter of that. And Jesus performs miracles in towns and then bad mouths the people because they did not repent after that. Again, this has nothing to do with belief or salvation. They didn't not believe in Jesus. They had seen him. Right. There, this is a discipleship thing, not a salvation thing. Mm-hmm. Of We saw the miracle, and then Jesus probably told them stuff. They said, yeah, but, you know, whitewashed tombs, not, that sounds pretty good. Well, you know, mm-hmm. Knowledge and all that churchy stuff. We want to hang on to that. that that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But so, again, when we look to the Bible, it's really important especially if you've grown up, maybe it's some stuff that's not the healthiest interpretation. If you hear some things on this show and other places that you read that kind of don't jibe with uh, the stuff you've heard growing up, it's important to go to those isolated places and just have that mind of, is this really saying what pastor says it is? Or the that common interpretation of, you have to repent. Well, why do I have to repent? Well, because that's part of salvation. God's love doesn't save you. you got to turn away from all your wicked things. I mean, that sounds, I, I didn't grow up in the church, but that sounds like the kind of thing I grew up thinking church people would say. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a pretty Baptist place, but it sounds pretty churchy, but you got to kind of look at that and just trust what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Trust your own ability to have a baseline understanding of these things and then ask people like us who maybe have been doing this a little longer. Because what you might find is that there's a hair of an idea in there that's just being bent way beyond the breaking point and that's that's a problem that's an indication as we mentioned that it might be time to find new books or new church or whatever and again i I do want to close this out by saying no one's mad at you no one's judging you you've been given a and that's the reason you're writing the question is you heard a thing that doesn't really seem to shake up with what it feels like this should be what you're hearing from us. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. And we always welcome those kind of questions. We're happy to answer them out. And if you have a question for us in the future, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out with a track from the ever-present yet mysterious mm. Pool House Guru. Ooh, this is from mysterious. our January 2017 edition of Bridgebox. This is called Take Up Your Mat. This features the preaching recorded live at the bridge of one uh, minister, LaShonda Curry, who's a fantastic preacher. We have the bridge from time to time. Pulaski River put a great beat to her sermon. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, please don't sue us. We're eating canned beef in a bunker. <laughs> Jesus walked up on a guy at the pool of Bethesda, and the guy was lame. And he had been sitting there for a very long time. There was a pool, and when the pool of waters would get stirred up, anybody who was near it who got in the pool would instantly get healing. Sometimes we have to go to some place to get healed. Sometimes we got to go to the doctor and get a checkup. Sometimes we got to take a break. I need us to think about our lives in the same way. Knowing that Jesus Christ is like that doctor. That whatever we have going on in our lives, and we all have something. That whatever we're going through, whatever your ailment may be, If you take it to Jesus Christ, he can be there to heal you and deliver you from it. Amen. In this story, what we find is that this man is sitting there and he's been sitting there for a long time waiting to get to this pool. Jesus Christ walks up to him the same way he walks up.
to any of us, right? He walks up and finds him at the pool. He walks up and maybe he found you on the corner. He walked up and maybe he found you in a trap house. Maybe he walked up and he found you wherever. But he found you. That's right. 38 years is a long time to go through anything. And some of us in this very room have been going through whatever our affliction is for a long time. And you know how it is when you're going through something for a long time, you start to get a little weary. Jesus asks him one question. Do you want to be made well? Now he answered the question like most of us were answering. Well, you know what had happened was Jesus. I got here, Jesus. And every time the water stir up Jesus, somebody jump in front of me. See, Jesus, what had happened was I was trying to get right. But you know how it is, Jesus. But Jesus don't ask questions that he don't already know the answer to. So he already knew that the man had something that he had been suffering with for 38 years. I just came to tell you he already knows whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you're suffering with, he knows already. Jesus' question to us is, do you want to be delivered? That's his question to us. If you want to live a different life, we all need to get to know Jesus. We all need to get ourselves in position to have a relationship with Jesus. Know that Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation in him. We're all suffering with something, just like the man who was at the pool. So, he wants everything good for you. Here's what he said to the man. He told him to get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Because he doesn't want you to lie there. He wants you to get up and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. Amen? Amen.